You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressingcrest.org. We are glad that you are joining us again today for Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ for the Discover Young Adults Ministry. Right now in the month of January, we are in the middle of a series on evangelism about how we can better reach out to our friends and neighbors to tell them the story of Jesus and help them to become Christians. Uh, So far, we've looked at evangelism in remote places with Dr. Matthew uh, Marine of Castle Rock, Colorado, and last week we shared a conversation with Greg Parks about how we can respond to rejection or objection when people don't always see eye to eye with us on what uh, we think the Bible teaches. Today I've asked uh, Derek Shepard, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, to come on and be with us to talk about how we can be more evangelistic in a virtual world And obviously churches, as well as schools, and pretty much all of society, we've all had to learn how to pivot and learn how to reach out to people virtually because of COVID-19, and churches are learning some valuable lessons about how we can increase our influence in a virtual world through a virtual campus, and I know that Derek Shepard believes in that as well. And so I've asked Derek to come on today for this discussion of evangelism in a pandemic. Derek, we are glad that you are with us today. Thank you, Jacob, and I appreciate the opportunity uh, to be on here with you today. Uh, Just to kind of give you a little bit of information about myself, uh, I'm originally from uh, Kentucky, was born and raised there, Uh, been several different states uh, as my career as a minister has taken me to those states. I have, uh, I'm now presently working with the Goodlessville Congregation in Nashville, uh, where I've been here for a little over a year and a half now and serve as the preaching minister uh, for this congregation. Uh, my family, I got a wife and two kids, uh, one that's eight years old. My son Evan is eight and my daughter is six, Emerson. And so that's a little bit about me. And again, just thank you for uh, bringing me on today. Absolutely. I know that you do a lot of Facebook live videos and devotionals and uh, you have a really good following on social media. So I thought you would be someone who could share some insight and wisdom into this topic. Now, Derek, I'm going to ask you this question and every preacher uh, has a positive answer for this question, but really how, how was ministry going in your opinion before COVID-19? Uh, ministry was going great for us um, here at, at Goodlessville. Uh, actually, we had just moved here in July of 2019, so we were kind of still getting our feet on the ground. Uh, 
uh, and kind of working through uh, some different things. Ministry was going really well. We had a lot of great things happening. Um, we had just introduced in January, we had just introduced our vision and mission for the congregation um, and kind of got that statement rolling out and doing some of those things. And, and so uh, it was really uh, it was really going well uh, for us. And we were really excited. The congregation was getting excited about a lot of different things. Um, and in March, everything just kind of slowed down after that. But uh, for the most part, everything was going really well for us. Yeah, so everything came to a screeching halt uh, March <laughs> 15th, actually the 13th here in Dallas. I remember being at one of the airports in Dallas on the 13th of March, and planes were being grounded, and uh, no one really knew what was going on. We all thought it was just going to be for, you know, for a couple of weeks, uh, no more than that. And then here we are toward the end of January 2021, and we're still kind of suffering through it. So ministry has definitely changed. And this next question is kind of a, a two-part question. Um, maybe on the negative side first, how has it suffered? And then on the positive side, how do you think ministry's improved because of all of this? Well, if we want to go to the negative side first, I, I think one of the biggest things that suffered from all this is just the opportunity to be together. Uh, to fellowship with each other, to talk with each other, uh, to be able to. One of the things I love about ministry is being with people um, and visiting hospitals and visiting people in their homes and doing all those different things. And so now with this, it's either phone or text or you do videos or, uh, you know, you do those kind of things. And so just that real connection and that community uh, with people has really suffered a lot uh, through this as well. Um you know, as far as the improvements of it, I think that we have we have been more aware of being able to talk to each other, even though it is on the phone or whatever. But we've kind of uh, maybe stayed connected a little more because we know and we understand that in this time, if we don't stay connected with each other, then we're going to we're going to really fall away from each other and fall away from God. And so just that trying to keep each other connected, which means we've we've done a better job of connecting than what we did before, uh, which I think is a, is a major improvement, you know, checking in on people. And another thing I, I believe is, is really helped us is the opportunities that we have had to help people, uh, whether it's in our community or whether it's in our, our, our church or whatever. Um, we, we've really had a lot of opportunities to help people. And so I think that is a, a big improvement uh, that we, that we've seen. Um, one of the things that I often think about, and I talk to our shepherds about this all the time here, is that COVID has allowed the church uh, to understand that you can change. You can do things differently. Um, and so I, I think that's been a big help for us to realize that, hey, we don't have to do everything the same way all the time. And this has forced us uh, to be able to go out and to make some changes and to do some things differently. Absolutely. And I think it makes us appreciate things that we didn't appreciate before. I heard one church member say a few weeks ago, uh, because their congregation has not been meeting for several, several weeks now, they open and then they shut back down mm -hmm. uh, as far as, you know, the physical location of the church building. And uh, he said, you know, never again will I ever say on a Saturday night, man, I don't want to go to church tomorrow because for so many weeks they haven't been able to go and Unfortunately, it often takes us losing something in life to appreciate how special it really is. So I'm with you. Uh, ministry has suffered in, I would say, the uh, simplicity of getting together, but maybe it's made us appreciate more the moments that we are together and 
being able to kind of hit the pause button and reset and, you know, reevaluate what is working, what's not working, because we kind of have a fresh, clean slate here. It's almost like a just a do over, if, if you please, of how we can go about doing ministry. Um, right. That was one thing I, I talked to our shepherds about not too long ago is I believe that God has given the church an opportunity here to say, what did you want to do differently? And now here's your opportunity to make those changes happen because you do have a clean slate and you do and you can do some things differently. Um, and so I think that's a real big that's a big deal for us to be able to to have that and kind of go in with that attitude. Okay, so this next question uh, kind of deals with having that virtual campus. Um, I serve here at Preston Crest for those listening, and uh, here at Preston Crest in Dallas, I've been very encouraged by the elders' passion and uh, determination to really improve our virtual presence. All of our classrooms, adult classrooms, are getting cameras and TVs because we know that it may be a while before everyone's back on campus. And then what an opportunity as well that, um, you know, our services on Sunday, thousands of people are watching now that weren't watching before. Uh, so there is a real opportunity uh, to speak the truth of the gospel into areas that we would have never had that opportunity before the pandemic. So, Derek, what do you think are some tangible opportunities given to the church through virtual ministry? I think a couple of things. I think you kind of hit on a, one of them, and that is more visibility online. Um, we are, you know, before um, COVID hit, um, I was standing before a congregation of 250 to 270. Um, and now on Sundays, I stand before a congregation of thousands. I mean, literally, because of all the people that you're going to that, that watch it live, but also all the people that are going to watch it. Um, as time goes on. Um, and so more visibility for the church. We have an opportunity to reach more people, teach more people. Um, all those things, I mean, are blessings. I look at as, as a way to, you know, now some people are, you know, you wish people, more people were there with you to have that connection, but also you got to look at it from a blessing standpoint that you're speaking to so many different people. And uh, the other thing I think is important here is, is that we hopefully have realized that the church can function outside of the building. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's really important uh, for the church to understand and to know that we can do things that doesn't, it, it's outside of our buildings. And so that's been one thing for me that's really helped. Okay. So um, like you said, the opportunities change because of the virtual element to ministry. Um, but just like anything else with physical ministry, when it's not virtual, we do some things well and some things we don't do so well. So what have you found virtually that works well and then really doesn't work when it comes to an online virtual ministry? Well, I mean, I think with, with the videos and the online stuff, I mean, really the teaching and the, the studying together and, you know, having the open Bible study type stuff, you know, is, is good. Um, on Monday nights, we have rekindle. Uh, which is our young adults, young marriage group that gets together. We still have a lot of them that don't, that are not comfortable being in a large crowd at the building. And so that was our way of, of saying, okay, let's all get together on zoom. And so that's what we do. Um, and so there's fellowship that can happen on there. There's prayer time that can happen on there. Uh, there's studying together that, that we do really well. Um, and, but the other side of it, I think is the fact that, um, you know, you don't have that connection. 
you don't have that community. You don't have that, hey, I'm here for you and put my arm around you uh, when, when people are struggling with things or uh, we can't do those kind of things online. Um, and the personal contact that we have, we do have contact when we're with people and we can talk to people in stores and all those different things, but just to have them in the building and talking to them or, or being able to go to their homes, um, or, you know, that just that connection is, is difficult right now. Right. Right. So how do Christians kind of serve as blockades to evangelism on social media? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, and one I really didn't have to think a whole lot about just because of the fact that uh, you don't have to go very far on social media to see Christians that worship on Sunday, but yet on Monday look like the world. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, they, the, t- the things they talk about, the things they say about people, the way that they talk about, you know, and now, of course, we're in the, the whole political side of things. And you see really some true colors kind of come out with that um, and how Christians act. Uh, on there. And so I think that when we post things and when we talk about things on there, or even the things that we like on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever, and those things pop up and people that are outside of the church that are non-Christians look at that and they say, well, why would I want to be a part of a group of people that are no different than where I'm living now in the world in the way that they talk and the way they act and stuff. And so I think that's a really big deal about how we handle ourselves on social media and the things we like, things we post, things we repost, all those things are, are vital when it comes to trying to reach people um, that, are, that are in the world. Or the things we argue about. I've, right. I've exactly. yet to know somebody who say, th- you know, thank you for posting this or commenting on this. You have officially changed my mind. Uh, right. That's, that's never the arena or the venue to have real serious, wholesome, drawn out, friendly debate. It just doesn't work that way. No, and you'll never change anybody's mind by just uh, posting on Facebook or on wherever. It's not going to happen. So, uh, but yeah, I think those are just really critical things right now. So we're wanting to talk a little bit about evangelism because that's kind of the purpose for this month. And um, mm-hmm. obviously, it's it's neat that we increase our numbers virtually and have more people watching than used than used to be watching, but. You know, if we aren't leading people closer to Jesus, then that really doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, we just talked about the blockades of evangelism on social media, but what about in person, Derek? I know you're someone that really prioritizes evangelism and church growth. How are we blockades to other people when it comes to evangelism one-on-one in person? I think the big thing is, is just our influence in the, in the community, the influence around us, the people that we talk to, how we talk to people, how we handle people, um, you know, kind of our attitude towards people. I mean, I've been, I've been in restaurants or I've been in, you know, places before where you hear somebody talking over here in the car next to you, say it's Sonic or whatever, you hear somebody talking and all of a sudden they're like screaming at the person coming out at the person bringing the food and you look over and it's one of your church members and you're like, you know, you can't win people when you like, it's just like social media, but you're in person. Now you can't win people when they're not seeing anything different than you, than what they're seeing in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important how that we carry ourselves, how we act and talk and all these different things. And I've told people before I taught a young adults class not too long ago on evangelism. And I told them there, I said, live your life in such a way that it makes people ask the question, why are you different? 
And if you don't do that, if people are not looking at you and saying that person's different, you'll never be able to influence them. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you think about one of the verses that always comes back to my mind when I'm thinking about this is first uh, Peter chapter two, beginning in verse nine, where Paul or where Peter calls them and basically says to them, you need to be different because you are a, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And he's talking to people that were uh, among heathen people. I mean, he's talking to Christians who were what he would consider pilgrims or sojourners who were among the heathens. Mm-hmm. And that's where we find ourselves. And so we got to act and talk differently than the people around us. If not, we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, influence them and help them to see Jesus at all. We got to be Jesus to people. We got to show them Jesus. That's where evangelism starts is in our own life. Right. And I would add to that, not only the difference in the way we live, but uh, the difference in how we approach leading people to Jesus. And by that, I mean, I think we need to be people who ask more questions mm-hmm. than give answers. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, whenever someone tried to trick Jesus, he never responded with a rebuttal. He always responded with a question. And then the question served as the rebuttal. And the question served as something for that accuser to chew on. I think one of our biggest blockades to evangelism is when we just open the Bible and act like we have a monopoly to the truth mm-hmm. and that no one else knows as much as we do. And you know, we're the only ones that have the authority to speak such truth into someone else's life. Yeah. Or when we act like we've got it all figured out. Right. Um, and we, we just, you know, we've got it all figured out. We've got all the answers. Well, let's, and, and you're right. I think that's exactly the way we should handle it is talk about or, or ask them questions too. Not just, you know, we don't have all the answers. So let's talk back and forth and kind of discuss this and talk about some things more so than me giving you all the answers to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's absolutely true. In our first episode this month on uh, evangelism, that's what Matthew Marine in Colorado said, is evangelism is learning about someone else's story as you tell them your story um, and less about a debate and right. if you think about the times that Jesus would perform miracles, he would often tell people, I want you to go back now and tell them what the Lord has done for you. And right. that is such a powerful tool for evangelism is to tell people, here's what God's done in my life, and uh, here's what God can do in your life. And that's exactly what happened in John chapter 4. The woman at the well was Jesus taught her, and then she went back and people believed in Jesus because of her testimony is what John four thirty nine says because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Matt was saying is it's about, let's just, let's just talk to people about how Jesus has changed our life. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have to answer questions about the Holy spirit on the first discussion. Let's talk about how Jesus has changed our life and what he's done for us. Right. Um, and have that, and that, that's a conversation starter for us. I'm glad you mentioned that story because I also love at the end of that story how John tells us that the woman um, said, I no longer believe, or the people said of the town, we no longer believe just because of what you've said talking to the woman, but because now we've seen and we've heard for ourselves that that Jesus really is a son of God. So that's the goal of evangelism is you sharing your faith, your story, so other people make it their faith and their story. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, yeah. And, you know, we, we oftentimes focus on the first part of John 4 where Jesus was talking to her and, and about the living water and stuff. But really the powerful part of that story is the verse you mentioned and what I was talking about at the end where it shows what she did with what Jesus gave her. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. 
Absolutely. So um, do you think the pandemic will change evangelism at all? I hope it gets us more excited about it. I hope it gives us more uh, opportunity to do it and to talk about it because, um, you know, I think that evangelism, it was a dying thing in the church. Um, and I think we, we need to continue to talk about it. I personally believe just by talking to people and, and dealing with people on a daily basis, I personally believe there's more opportunity to do it now than maybe I've ever seen in my life. Uh, just because I think people are searching for hope. They look at this world and they see that it is, it's, there's nothing to it. It's just changing every day. We don't have any control over things. Um, and so I, I hope and I pray that it opens the eyes as, as members of the body of Christ, that we will say, this is our opportunity to shine as lights, what Jesus instructed us to do. This is our time to go out and to teach people that there is hope and there's something more than just what's in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you and I are both a little bit young to truly see the essence of it, but there was a real resurgence of spirituality and faith after 9-11 that everyone's mm -hmm. world was shaken. Something happened that they thought would never happen, and the world was changed forever by that. The pandemic is that same type of event that changes everything and something that we thought would never happen. People are, like you said, people are looking for stability and community Mm -hmm. and support. And so we do have a tremendous opportunity through that. Absolutely. So, um, I think every church, even if they are an outwardly focused church, every church has an element where they struggle to be evangelistic. So um, how is your church there in Nashville? How are y'all prioritizing evangelism? And then how do you think you can improve? Well, yeah. Teaching more on it, I think that the congregation here where I'm at, I don't think in the past, I don't think that was something that was really emphasized a lot. Um, and so I think by by teaching on it, um, the the elders are are asking and wanting to start uh, with having seminars and different things like that where we're teaching our people how to do evangelism or, or what does evangelism look like. Uh, those are all things. It's kind of like, you know, um, evangelism was kind of, midway so to speak and we're trying to take it and move it more to the top of of the of things in the church and so um i think just doing that and trying to put more of an emphasis on it and trying to help people to understand that listen evangelism is not just sitting across the table from somebody and teaching them out with an open bible that, that's not that's not all that evangelism is there's a lot more to evangelism than just that uh there's there's different ways that we can do that um one of the things that that I've tried to do is lift up Jesus more to the congregation and allow them to understand that when you leave this building or when you're online and you get off of here, what you need to do is lift him up. Um, and, you know, I always like John 12 where Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And I think that's something that we need to embrace um, and allow that to be a priority for us, for him to be lifted up and let him do the drawing in. Right. It's well said. That's well said. Uh, you can never go wrong lifting up uh, Jesus, obviously. That's one right. of our greatest goals. I've also encouraged people in my life by saying, listen, if you ever, if you ever do this once, if you ever lead just one person to Christ, you're bit by the evangelism bug and that excitement and that passion to do it again never goes away. Young children understand this. You know, when they finally get up the courage to ride that big roller coaster at 
the amusement park here in Texas at Six Flags, when they finally do it, the first thing they say when they get off the roller coaster is, I want to do that again. Mm -hmm. And when you finally work up the courage to lead someone to Christ who doesn't know Christ, and you see real evangelism, I mean, someone who was lost become found by the grace of God, Mm -hmm. you want to do it again. But it's just getting over that hump of doing it for the first time. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about church growth, and I've told this to churches I've served in the past. Uh, The most simple way to grow a church is if every person in your church would lead one person to Jesus, your church doubles. I mean, that's so simple. That's so simple. Each one teaches. And that's what Jesus taught, disciples making disciples. Right. Yeah, and when when you do that, like you said, you double the church. And, I mean— just if you just teach one person a year, then in a year we can double. If one person teaches one person, um, and so yeah, I mean that's that's really important. And you know, I think as far as leadership, ministers, whoever, I think maybe in the past we've not put as much emphasis and shown the congregation how important it is to go out and talk to our friends, talk to our neighbors, talk to people around us. And so just by showing. Uh, from a preacher standpoint that, Hey, this is important to him. This is important to God. This is important to what you, he wants you to do. This is your mission from God. Uh, just placing imp- importance on it is, is really something that I think we need to do more. Right. I had a preacher um, who became an elder one time, tell me in a meeting, well, that sounds good, but you know, the only people I know or, or spend time with are the people I go to church with. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that is a tight balance, tight line to walk, tight rope to walk, because the Bible does teach that you surround yourself by good people, you're going to be better. But we also can't cocoon and not know anyone in our neighborhood or at our job or, you know, join a local gym and go the same time of day. Most most gym goers go the same time of day. Um, I go at lunchtime and I see the same five or six men. Every day right. at lunch, um, you, we've got to we've got to meet people, or who else are we going to lead to Christ if we don't know right. people outside of our church families? And Jacob, I think it's also important to understand that you you're talking about meeting people, and I, I think if we put on the words meeting people where they are is really important to evangelism as well, and making sure that we're not you know just wherever they're at in life. If it's an addiction or if it's a family struggle or whatever it is, wherever they're at, take them from that point, put insert Jesus in their life and watch him and watch them grow from, from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Last question, Derek, I've been asking everyone this question because I think it's something we really need to consider in a few words, answer the following evangelism is, and evangelism is not. Evangelism is is talking to our friends, our neighbors um, about how Jesus has changed our life, what he's done for us. Um, I think evangelism is something that we need to understand this, the, from the standpoint that it is as we, we go in life. And so for me, evangelism is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, you know, go knock on somebody's door evangelism, but it's a lifestyle. It's inviting people to church. It's invited, it's helping people. It's, it's making sure that we're there for them when they need us the most. Uh, those are all things that evangelism, evangelism is not sitting in the church building and saying, if we build it, they'll come. 
evangelism is not sitting there and waiting on them to come to us, but it's us going into the world. And as we go teaching them and, and talking to them about Jesus. Very well said. That's the incarnation. God did not wait for us to come to him. He came to us. Yeah. Uh, became flesh. And again, that goes back to, if you want to talk about John four again, notice the woman at the well did not stay at the well and wait for people to come to her to talk to her. She went to the people and shared her testimony of what she saw at the well. And so how that translates for us is, is we go into the, we go into the worship service and we hear all these things and it changes our life. And so now we leave the well or the church building, whatever. And we go now into the community and we talk to people about what we just heard about Jesus uh, and teach them also. Very well said for those listening. I do want to, I recommend a book that was given to me actually by one of my elders here at Pressing Crest, but the title of the book is From Social Media to Social Ministry. Derek, have you seen this book? I have not. It is written by Nona Jones. Nona Jones is the head of global faith-based partnerships at Facebook, interestingly enough. And so she talks a little bit about how churches can build a bigger, better online virtual campus. Uh, there are some things theologically that I disagree with her uh, with pretty big time, but her advice as far as building an online virtual campus, I think is some wonderful advice. And it comes from statistical research from all of their texts and algorithms at Facebook. So if you are a church leader wanting to think about how you can better improve your virtual presence during the pandemic, Go get that book by Nona Jones from Social Media to Social Ministry. Derek, we are glad that you were with us today. We wish you the best for your ministry there in Nashville and your best or our best to your family. And I want to close today by the way we close every time by reminding you that along this journey of life, there will be road work along the way. But here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready by navigating your journey And as always, keep your eyes on heaven, and we will talk to you next time.